to a podcast about something where each week we dive deep into whatever it is we find interesting. I'm your host, Calvin, and joining me from the Smoking Sea is your co-host, Nick Richardson. The Smoking Sea, my dog. The 14 Flames. The Flying Creatures in the Sky. That is what we're talking about. Dragons and people who ride dragons in A Song of Ice and Fire, The World of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones, whatever you want to call it. That's what we're talking about. Not dragons in the real world. I'm sure I honestly I could probably talk about Komodo dragons for about an hour. Komodo dragons are dope. <laughs> They're uh, fucking scary. But I meant more like the mythological dragons of our world, uh, of like King Arthur Slate and all that right. shit. There's a whole lot out east. They really like dragons. Yeah, they love the dragons. Uh, no, we're we're sticking to the world of ice and fire where dragons are 100% real, um, and we just wanted to dive into uh, where they come from. What happened to them? Who rides them and why? Who's the first to try to ride them? All that good stuff. Pretty much, we're gonna we're gonna dive into the stuff you didn't get. I mean, one of the most interesting There's things, a lot of things about you didn't get in the show, right? Is dragons. That's like one of and warging and direwolves. That's like yeah. That's probably thirty. We're gonna have we're gonna have another episode in. on skin changing at some point because that to me that's cooler. Uh, but oh, we'll have yeah. that discussion at the end. Right, but I mean, at the same time, it's like. I wish they would have talked a little more. That That's what they're going back to remedy with the prequel. But we're going to get ahead of HBO because fuck yeah. them. And uh, here, But you know what I just thought of? To Is not old... say fuck you HBO because they've got some great content. They do have some great content. But how could you let D&D cup you by the balls like that? Yeah, it's a rough show. It was a rough ending to this show. Those fucking skinny-necked, big-headed fucks. But is old Valeria to the east... Obviously. It is in Essos, yes. It so, is a part of Essos, yes. There you go. Okay. Just saying, George. Doing yeah, you're gonna want your maps there. out uh, because we're gonna we're gonna be going through some like where places are that you're gonna need some reference materials. So if you've got your Westerosi or uh, World of Ice and Fire map handy, which I know you all, if you're listening to this, you clearly have one of those just sitting by you at all times. Uh, it'll it definitely would be helpful to have. Uh, but let's start with just what are dragons. Uh, in, in A Song of Ice and Fire. They're uh, scaled reptilian creatures, as in most history and, and mythology. They are said to have lived in Westeros and Essos. Um, they have four limbs, so they have two wings uh, slash four legs and two rear legs. They're not... Um, George R. R. Martin didn't like the idea of the six-limbed dragons that we usually see in pop culture, where they have four legs and then two wings. I don't he didn't like, like that either. That. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't think that was indicative of how a dragon would actually look. I guess. Those things would not be agile at all. It'd be like an right. elephant flying through the sky. Exactly. Dumbo. There you go. Perfect. I mean, example. we've all seen Shrek and how the dragon acts there. That's exactly what he was trying to avoid. I think. There you go. <laughs> Taking it from Shrek. He's Shrek like, and you know, Dumbo. I gotta get this shit down. This is incredible work. Incredible. Um, they have strong jaws, sharp teeth, claws, leathery wings, long necks, and long tails. Uh, hatchlings are about the size of a cat, so that's when they're first born, about the size of a cat. Um, that would be and super cool. As long as they have food and freedom, they would never stop growing. Which, And one of the biggest things is they live long as shit. Yes, that and was my next point. Oh, okay. I didn't I mean, go ahead. that one from you. I was going to say that, and then their intelligence factor. Like, they're. I couldn't find. In my research, I couldn't find any, like, scale. 
you know, quote unquote, of how intelligent they are. Well, but no, because nobody's talked like really talked to them and gotten to, them to write uh, down their right. thoughts. So that's that's the issue there. How but do you they feel? Are, they are very intelligent. Um, they're probably more intelligent than at least a few former presidents, as we talked about last week. Oh, I'm, uh, on I'm the presidential roast, or not last week, two weeks ago, I suppose that was. And a little more emotionally intelligent than a few of them as well. Yes. Um, but Valerian, <laughs> the black dread, the largest Ooh. Targaryen dragon, we'll get back to him later, but he was actually large enough to swallow an oryx, uh, which is like a big ox, or a mammoth, whole. And the, that's what so that's they refer big. to uh, Grin. Grin as. Yes. Isn't it Grin? Yeah, Grant, because he was he was slow and thick-headed like an arcs, arcs. And a fucking thug. Dude was swole as shit. Yeah, dude was a beast. Um, dragon bones are black due to their high iron content. Sea dragons and ice dragons are also part of the legends of various other regions uh, within the world of ice and fire. Uh, but we're only really going to discuss fire dragons here. Uh, I keep thinking of... <laughs> Sorry, I keep thinking of this tagline from Fairy Tale, which is an anime. It's fire Dragon Roar! <laughs> if I say Fire Dragon anymore, you have permission to just say that. Like, just tag it right after every time I say Fire Dragon. It's all that's running through my head. And then there's, in the back of my head, my daughter says Roar. If you're like, what's the lion say? She's like, Roar! <laughs> That was my my youngest would do the same thing. You get to lion and she would just let that shit out. <laughs> Dude, kids are the shit, man. They're funny as fuck. But um, anyway, dragons. Yeah, so don't, so don't fire eat your babies. Or or sheep. We don't know. Hide your husband, hide your kids, hide your wives. Dragons will eat everybody. Uh, they have great heat emanating from their bodies at all times. They only eat cooked meat and use extreme their extremely hot dragon flame to cook their meat before eating it. So pretty much just in one bite, they uh, cook and eat their food. They burn it to a fucking crisp. Yeah, absolutely. Like, mmm, char. Uh, and, and so that kind of, that ties into the link that Targaryens cannot be burned. Because dragons will not eat raw meat... Uh, several during the Dance of the Dragons, which we'll we'll talk a little bit more in detail of, uh, but not too deep of detail. Several Targaryen leaders were eaten by dragons, which means while being eaten, they were burned alive. Also, um, so this whole myth that no Targaryens can be burned is just that it's a myth. What happened with Daenerys is kind of this one-off scenario, perfect storm of a lot of different shit going on, and we've got more on Danny and hatching her dragons and stuff like that in a little bit, uh, but I wanted to dispel that notion that, like, all Targaryens can't be burned, because a lot of them have been burned just on regular shit, too. Even Jon Snow himself gets burned early in a Game of Thrones uh, fighting the the, white. the Whites that uh, attack G.R. Mormont. Uh, That's a fantastic he, point. Yeah. So it's it's definitely possible for Targaryens to be burned. Uh, Danny's just kind of full of shit when she says uh, a true dragon can't be burned. Uh, She's just spouting shit off her ass. Well, you know, she it's was one just... of those it's one of those family things that gets passed down and passed down. Oh, if you were a true Targaryen, you wouldn't be burned. But it's it's bullshit. You know, she said that 15 minutes after she was cooking some eggs and went, oh shit, that was fucking hot. Well, she got burned in the bath at one point. Not not like her skin didn't get burned but it was hot to her so if you can feel heat you can be burned that, that's what I'm going with that's fair 
Um, so that the the fact that dragons only eat cooked meat is something that's pointed to a lot when people try to dispel the notion that Targaryens can't be burned. It's well, dragons don't eat raw meat, so if these dragons are eating Targaryens. They would have had to burn them first, thus they can be burned. Psych. That'd make me immediately uncomfortable if that was like the legend. And then uh, you find out otherwise, I'd be a little upset. Yeah, you're like, oh, this dragon will eat me, but he'll just spit me out because, fuck, you can't burn me. He won't even eat me. He look at me. I'm alive. I'm pretty He's sure. Not fuck me up. I'm pretty sure. Even all right. So let's let's play this out for a second. You're a dragon. You're gonna eat a Targaryen dude. You realize you can't burn him while you're eating. You're still gonna chew as the dragon, right? So as the Targaryen dude, you're dead no matter what in that scenario. Yeah, right. he can't burn you, but he's still going to chew the shit out of you before he spits you out. <laughs> and as you mentioned, they have strong jaws and yeah. very sharp, and sharp teeth. teeth. And he's claws like, it's, that it's cool, guys. Like, to me, if if they're trying to burn you and you're not burning, that's just grounds for them to chew even more, take you out of their mouth, and start ripping at you with their claws. Like, they're not just going to be like, no, I'm good. Yeah. No, thanks. I'm not let me, hungry. Let me go eat this other dude. He's just like, it's cool, guys. I can't get burned. Ah, ah, fuck. Just getting eaten alive. Oh, that would be terrible. Yeah, two very bad ways to go. I guess, Dude, I oh mean, my God. getting burned by dragon flame probably wouldn't be that bad because I, I'm pretty sure that's a quick death. Like, that flame is super duper hot. Either way, dude, you got like 19 seconds, probably less. Let's go with 10 seconds where your fucking eyeballs are popping and your skin is boiling. I, I, don't, think you even, I don't even think you notice any of that. With with dragon fire, this isn't like you're burning alive in a house fire. Dragon fire, it's going to be instant. Then why are people screaming like crazy in all the shows? Because people always scream. I do scream if show. I'm on fire, you know? <laughs> if I'm on fire, I'm just like, shit, ah! Because it hurts. All those times I've been on fire. Very true. Uh, I've been around the block, buddy. <laughs> so dragon scales are mostly impervious to flame and also serve as uh, just general protection for the flesh underneath. Uh, scales will grow thicker and tougher as dragons age. The fire breathing also becomes hotter and fiercer as they age as well. So older dragons, some older dragons can melt steel and stone with their flames. Uh, we see this with Valerian the Black Dread in Harrenhal. Uh, just demolishes that shit yeah hosing it with napalm yeah and that was i i believe heron hall was built out of mostly oh shit what's it called dragon glass and obsidian so it's it's already harder to begin with um kind of like dragonstone and winter parts of winterfell are built out of dragon glass um, Heron Hall was as well, so the, the fact that they can burn through that is uh, pretty intense, for sure. Yeah, they're like, it's, it's cool, guys. We got, you know, we got dragon glass. We're all right. And he's like, no, you're not. And then he cooked I'm them. the fucking black dread here. What kind of? Let, let me just. Nothing. I'm going on record, and I'm gonna say Balerion the Black Dread is fantastic. Great name. What a great name. George R. R. Martin is so good at naming things. He fucking is, man. I am insanely jealous. Except for the Targaryen family. He's, he got lazy with them. <laughs> he got a little lazy. He got a He's, dude named Anus? Come on. Yeah. It's like we got Aegon, Daemon, Tagon, Bagon. <laughs> let's see. Reyna, Rhaenyra, Rhaella. Uh, Rainies. Let's just throw some more. Yeah, Rhaenys. We'll just throw some vowels Anies, at the end of. Anna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
he really was like fuck it whatever uh dragons lay large scaled eggs as a way to reproduce uh, some believed, some maesters and, and other people who study dragons believe the only way to actually confirm the sex of a dragon is whether or not they lay eggs. And some of the fake historians even argue that dragons could change their sex based on need. Um, See, I, I saw that in my research, but I only found one mention of a male having to fertilize the eggs and no other explanation outside of that. And this was like borderline canon. I would like to say. Yeah, so so this is in-world historians believe that dragons may be, uh, I don't think it's hermaphroditic is the, the proper term, uh, but it's it like clownfish. can reproduce asexually? Well, no, it's not even can reproduce asexually. It's if there's a male, if there's two males and no females around and they need to reproduce, one will change its sex to female, like clownfish do. Right, okay, I hear what you're saying. And that's some shit. It's like I guess I'll lose my dick. Well, they apparently don't have a dick because otherwise, the historians would know which ones were male and female. Well, I mean that'd be fucking helpful. George R. R. Martin's like, I'm not gonna talk about dragon dicks. It's not gonna happen in my books. That is bullshit. George R. R. Martin wants to talk about dragon dicks. You already I fucking fully know. believe that. He's at a press conference and he's like, you know, I you you've all have asked me about dragon dicks for too long. It's a foot long! Fuck you! God damn everyone! Walks so, off stage, has a heart attack. So, for clownfish, that um, that state where they can switch to females, they call it um, breeding male exhibiting protandrous sex reversal to become a breeding female. So, that this yeah, in-world historian believed dragons could do the same type of thing. He really does think of fucking everything. That is Absolutely. fascinating. So where do they come from, Nick? Where where can we find these majestic creatures? You can find them up your butt. Well, that's not productive. <laughs> you can shove it up your butt. Anyway, there's plenty of myths about where they came from. Uh, the Valerians came... Claim, claimed they sprang forth from the 14 flames as i mentioned in the intro which is a ring of volcanoes on the valerian isle i knew that quarth karth it's not an island though it's peninsula it's a peninsula you, you're just saying that because you live on a peninsula you peninsulaist yeah i'm gridlocked full life I'm landlocked son i ain't going nowhere <laughs> Let's get that to be the new Crips and Bloods. Peninsulas versus landlocks. Shit, we're gonna win this shit. We got industry and terrible weather. We're we got fucking... boats. Yeah. Boats and hoes. <laughs> There's a lot of segways around here and lime scooters. <laughs> we'll be alright. We got all the old people. I'll fucking drop like 35 Oh my god, I'm gonna get a call from my grandpa. He's gonna be like, I heard you're gonna drop drop thirty five old people. Why not make well, it thirty six? We're coming <laughs> for you, bitch. Oh shit. Alright, so what do the Carthine think about dragons? There was these guys are doing drugs. Just saying they well, claimed fair. there was a second moon that was scalded by the sun. He said, Get off me, you clingy thing. Not scalded, uh, scalded. Scalded, scalded. Is burned. Well, maybe I misspelled my notes then. 
<laughs> I understand what scalded it was means. scalded and scolded. That sounds like, hey, you cut this shit out. You, you don't you're following me around. Off, I'm going to burn the shit out of you. I'm going to make it happen. And then it cracked under the pressure of knowing the sun was going to scald yeah. it. And it was like, can't, can't have that. And then a million dragons were just like, we're here now. What's up? Um, they have also been said to originate from the Shadowlands beyond Ashai in the islands of the Jade Sea, which just sounds like Eastern mysticism stuff. Well, so that's my thought. I think that, that all of this magic and stuff comes from Ashai by the Shadow. It, it makes the most sense. Uh, it's this place that nobody can travel to. I also believe that, uh, you know, the world that we're looking at in all the maps, they're all flat maps, but I believe it's most likely a globe. And so at some point that has to wrap around. So I believe that there is a crossover between the lands of Always Winter and A Shy by the Shadow. And, you know, I'm not breaking any ground here. That's a common thought among the fandom. But it makes sense that magic, that that would be kind of the, uh, the locus point of magic and then it spreads out both ways so you get the others in the north spreading south and you get dragons and you know whatever other uh you know southern magic southeastern magic shit coming from a shy going north across the world that way makes sense but you know what this reminds me of is ancient aliens fucking Obviously. aliens well, I mean, if you these people just showed up and were like, hey, let me, you know, teach you how to tame these dragons and have at it. We're going to teach you all of our stuff and then we're just going to disappear. We're going to go away, not need anything from you ever, and uh, you know, never heard from again. That sounds like ancient aliens to me. Well, so or the other option is they're they're working in concert with the great other. And so the the. The goal there is to take over the world. We don't really know what the goal of the Great Other is because the show just destroyed any thought of motivation behind the White Walkers and the Night King and all that. But no. So we don't we don't know any of their motivations. But very easily, if they're trying to take over the world, you know, they're coming from the north and they release dragons going the other way. They're thinking we're just going to release these nukes and let people do what they fucking do. Like, they'll, they'll do the work for us if we give them these dragons. And then we'll just disappear and wait for them to destroy each other, and then, boom, we rule the world. It sounds like a huge pain in the ass, because anytime you're the advanced species and you're like, here, dummies, here's a nuclear bomb, don't Kill fuck it up. Kill yourselves with it. Yeah. Just go over there and if just attack anything. Have at have that shit. That's when they rebel against you. Yeah. Or I mean, the Valerians did that a little bit. They 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 set some conquests, but mostly they they kind of they try they they kept the dragons to themselves. I would be like, this is my dude. People are trying to kill my dragons. No, no way. Yeah. So Septon Barth, who is another uh, fake historian within the world, he believed that dragons were created by Valerian blood mages using wyvern stocks. So they took you know these kind of lizard these giant lizard type things and uh, turn them into dragons somehow with their damn blood magic. It always comes back to blood magic with the Septons. Yeah, I think George has some problems. But honestly, this one sounded the most logical to me. It just sounds like how... That's the most would... scientific explanation, right? Right. You know, we crossbreed cross and develop dogs and stuff like that. You could probably Yeah, do and that makes sense. And I would say in a world that we don't see other magic actually existing. I would say that, yeah, that's probably it, but we see actual real magic and things like the White Walkers and the others 
and you know the the uh, the werewood trees clearly have some magical capabilities. There are people who can skin change and see through time through the werewood net. If you're looking at Blood Raven and Bran, so I just think there's too much magic in this world for dragons to not have a magical origin. Yeah, I I get that. That's fair. Uh, but dragon bones have been found around most of the known world. They've been found as far north as the island of Ib and as far south as the jungles of Sothorios. So this is where you're going to need your maps to see uh, where that stuff is. But, you know, if, if you don't have your map in front of you because you weren't listening before when I said to get your maps out, you fuckers. <gasps> Dang! Uh, the, it, it's more or less the northern and southern ends of the world. So pretty much we've we've seen them everywhere. Pretty much. And they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Or no. are they? Well, they were, and then now they're back, though. Ooh. So let's talk about riding these mofos. Oh, shit. Which was the I'm original thesis for this episode. Uh, but now we uh, we changed it to, to be more dragon-focused rather than just the riders. But we're going to talk riders, too. Uh, so the first... Uh, historical record of any of, of people riding them. There are ancient tales from a shy that claim uh, some unnamed people first tamed dragons, brought them over to Valeria, and then taught the Valerians their arts before departing. This is kind of what you were you were hinting at with your your ancient aliens. There is that they were just like, hey, we know how to do this. We're gonna give them to you, and then we're we're getting the fuck out of here. You guys do what you want with these dragons. Don't kill Here's anyone. This, right. <laughs> Here's this angry dog that I need to rehome. He's super cool, trust me. He's just... You're new to him. Here's here's all the magic spells that will help you. Yeah. Just get just him really like, close to really hot fire. You'll be good. Yeah. They they love it. Um, And then many claim that the hot springs below Winterfell are actually warm by the breath of a subterranean dragon, which is a, is a pretty cool thought. And I, you know, I can go into that later, but... The, George R. R. Martin wrote another story called The Ice Dragon, which is supposedly not connected to A Song of Ice and Fire in any way, but it does share a lot of similarities with A Song of Ice and Fire. And it's it's a children's book, and it's it's not very long. I've listened to it. And at the, the this little girl has an ice dragon, and she lives in a town that's very similar to Winterfell. And, um spoilers at the end the ice dragon dies and turns into a hot spring in the middle of this town and you know winterfell is a place that's very much like this town that has a hot spring in the middle of it and water is drawn from that hot spring throughout the wall throughout the the town to heat the wall like they've got all this irrigation system built within the walls of winterfell that keeps the the castle and the grounds warm at all times um, so a lot of people think that something similar is going on with what happened to the ice dragon. Either there was an ice dragon that died there and turned into a hot spring, or there's an actual dragon underneath the surface somewhere heating up Winterfell. Someone was smoking some weed in Winterfell. I oh, mean, I think there's a fucking dragon here. <laughs> Shit. So let's talk about the Valerians using their dragons. What do you think about I think they were bad. They were bad, bad people, because they were shepherds, and then these people gave them nuclear bombs, and then they, they became bomb people. 
Yeah, then they became fucking Al-Qaeda. They were just like, yeah, I'm going to take shit out. They weren't fucking around. They just started conquering everything because they wanted slave labor to, you know, do what everyone else has ever done that's conquered and other people's harvest metals, you know, do stuff of that nature. You know, we discussed this uh, in the future movie Superlatives last week, uh, but people like to make slaves of other people. It is ridiculous. Always. Throughout real and fake history. Any chance you get to make a slave, like, people are going to fucking take it. I've never had the urge to do this, but apparently it's fucking common. I mean, you don't ever make your kid go get you a drink out of the fridge? Dude, if I could, I probably would. She looks at me and is just like, no. (laughs) She, that's her favorite word. Understandable. Um, And yeah, they, they, the, the Valerians were conquering the shit out of people uh, (laughs) just conquering the shit out of them just bomb uh, the shit out of them they first conquered the old empire of Gis during the Giscari war Um, apparently the Valerians used dragon horns to tame dragons and we're seeing some dragon horns pop back up in the proper story now Uh, Euron supposedly has one and the horn of Jorman in the north may or may not have been found and may or may not be blown at some point but that may be a dragon horn as well uh, but that's how they they kept their dragons under control early on, and they used hundreds of dragons um, to uh, during the Roynish War to conquer the Roynish. So now they've got Old Gis and the Roynish. Um, they're they're land waste to most of Essos at this point. Yeah, they're shitting on most of the known world with dragons, with lots of fire. A horrible way to go. Absolutely. And then boom. The Doom of Valeria. Dude. Nobody was expecting it. No. And it was Doomish, which yeah. is not good if you didn't know. Correct. Um, the, the Doom of Valeria destroyed all the dragons except for the five that the Targaryens had fled to Dragonstone with a few years earlier. Uh, this cataclysm of an unspecified nature that caused the collapse of the Valerian Freehold after 5,000 give or take years of prosperity so no one knows what happened really bound to fucking happen i mean apparently the volcanoes blew up well that was that was part of it um but no no one knows how the volcanoes blew up all all at the same time all of a sudden a lot of other natural disasters were going on at the same time so this all happened about 100 years prior to aegon's conquest of westeros um Spells, knowledge, and recorded history pertaining to dragons were mostly lost in the doom. Uh, the only thing that remained was whatever uh, the Targaryens that had fled brought with them, which wasn't much. Um, as you can see, later Targaryens struggled greatly in keeping dragons going. Uh, I mean, they weren't even one of the most powerful houses either. They were no, they they were like this offshoot, like, kind of middling accounting house. They didn't even have important jobs. <laughs> Losers. Yeah. Let you ride dragons though, which is fucking sweet. And I, I don't believe for a second that it just happened all of a sudden. You know these idiots. No, there's were like, definitely something that caused it. It smoked for like 15 days. We didn't think anything of it. You know, it smelled like phosphorus, whatever. And then, oh no, all of a sudden. Yeah, there, there's definitely something going on. There's a, there's a few causes that are hinted at in Fire and Blood and in uh, Song of Ice and Fire proper and. But nothing has been confirmed yet. 
and so I, th I think we get that at some point of what actually happened in the doom whether it's through you know if a dream for spring ever comes around through the duncan egg tales something like that you know maybe Aegon the unlikely has some vision of what actually happened in the doom and that sets him on a path to try and hatch dragons and eventually leads to the tragedy at Summerhall. i don't know there's a there's a lot of space for this story to be told we just don't actually know when that's going to happen so what actually happened that historians can tell is every hill for 500 miles exploded, filling the air with ash, smoke, and fire. Uh, this led to earthquakes that destroyed towns and buildings. The lakes boiled and turned to acid. Uh, as you said, 14, the 14 flames sent molten rock, molten rock a thousand feet into the air. Red, clou red clouds rained down dragon glass, not clowns, clouds. Um... This fragmented the Valerian Peninsula into numerous smaller islands and creating the Smoking Sea, which is now said to be cursed. No so way. That's you don't everything say. That was going on. Cursed, huh? Uh, the common belief is that the Doom was a naturally occurring event caused by the erupting of the 14 flames, so basically all, all 14 of these volcanoes decide to erupt at the same time. That causes all this other shit to happen, which, you know, that's possible. It's like Yellowstone. If that erupted... Probably oh, yeah. about the same effect. We'd get some red clouds raining down dragon glass for sure. I mean, 100%. Getting that for show. Yeah, I mean, you can bet on it right now. Um, some of the Septons believe that the polytheistic Valerians delved too deep into the Seven Hells, so they just kept digging and mining and trying to get more and more dragon glass, and eventually they dug too deep. Uh, you know, Septons seem kind of dumb. But I don't know. I really kind of like that theory. I... I listened to this really fascinating video. It's like 25 minutes long talking about that theory. I could see but it. They just dug too deep into actual hell and hell unleashed well, itself. No, I mean that's you dug what the Septons believe. That's you put. Well, no, no, no. So, I, so this this theory is that the Septons believe literally hell was regurgitating on them that they dug too deep and hell didn't like it so hell is like fuck you we're, we're gonna explode. i'm gonna throw up on you yeah yeah i get it okay um so yeah i misinterpreted what you were saying i yeah. apologize what were you saying though because I, I think that's a good point i think that goes with the the naturally occurring event <laughs> that that i didn't get too far into that goes back to the the slave labor thing you know harvesting precious metals just go deeper, 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 deeper until you disturb something that you can't really undo. Because you never know what the fuck's going to happen. There's still methane explosions all the time in mines around the world. Mm -hmm. Something like that could have easily happened and just set off a, a real a bad chain, chain reaction. reaction. Yeah. I mean, no, under that... like South Dakota, you have all that natural gas. So you just have caverns filled with natural gas or whatever. And well, I mean, and think about it. That pit in Russia, they thought it'd be a good idea to set that on fire because, you know, Russia, um, it's still burning. It's been burning for like 70 years. And if obviously it has enough fuel to maintain a flame for 70 plus years, but eh, I could be wrong about the timeline. But either way, if that all ignited I don't at even one know what time, you're talking about, so. you've never heard of that before? I like maybe when when you start talking about the flame that's been going for so long, I, I kind of have a recollection of that. But when you just said that pit in Russia, I was like, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. It's a pit in Russia that they set on fire. It's a pit in that's Russia been, that they set on fire. Got right. It. They set it on fire to. They thought it would like burn itself out, 
but it's been maintained for 70 years just continuously no one really understands why so if they had that basically just blow up all at once yeah that'd fuck up a continent that'd oh, split absolutely. that shit in half and so you you seem to be gravitating more towards the uh, the scientific explanations, like what would happen in our world to cause this stuff, right? And I like that. I like where your head's at because I like to delve further into the magic explanations. So we've got a, a good dichotomy going forward here. Let's do it. Here we go. Um, so another theory out there from Septon Barth and you know many others, they believe that the spells used to control the fourteen flames had faltered in some way, like the the mages that. Were, were controlling the volcanoes as they dug deeper and deeper. Either they weren't strong enough to control them anymore, or they stopped doing it, or they they discovered weed up. and they yeah. were just like, "Can't do this volcano bullshit anymore. I'm, I gotta get high." Right. Um, there. Those are the two most widely accepted uh, beliefs of of what happened, um, along with just the the natural causes. There are some other less likely explanations within the world. Uh, there's one that uh, says it was the curse of Garen the Great, which I got to do some further research on that. I don't know who Garen the Great is and why he cursed Valeria, but I, I gotta I gotta ride into that a little bit. Probably shorted him some fries on his takeout order. He's like, "Fuck you, Most Valeria." Likely. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it's the fire of Valor is another theory, which that that's a solid. Um, if, if That's you're, a solid magical theory. Yeah, if, if you're a, a follower of the red god of R'hllor, then that's what you're going to go with. Of Like, these guys pissed off R'hllor, so we got them. But have our, you ever followed R'hllor on weed? Um, another goes back to the, the fire mages that were controlling the 14 flames, that infighting among the dragon lords of Valeria... Uh, ended up with assassinating fire mages from different factions. And so that then, because some of these were assassinated, they couldn't control everything properly. That sounds extremely plausible when you think about it, because they're assassinating fucking everybody out here. Yeah. Well, so and then my theory goes back, or my, my favorite theory, uh, which for some reason was absent from the, the wiki entry on this, um, but it, it's quite explicit in the books and the show is that the followers of the many-faced god from the house in black and white, uh, we also know them as the faceless men, they cause the doom because the Valerians' uh, treatment of slaves. And at they, basically the faceless men, their origins lie in these slaves of the 14 flames and that one needed to pay their debt to um, the many-faced god and helped cause the doom of Valeria. And, you know, that it's it's mentioned briefly in the show, but it, it's spelled out pretty well uh, with the the kindly old man at the House of Black and White who is teaching Arya in the books, which is different. It's not Jock and Hagar when she actually shows back up at the, at the House of Black and White in the books. It's it's like they call him the kindly old man or something like that. Uh, he tells her the story of their origins, and it, it's heavily hinted that, that they were integral in the cause of the doom and maybe they were assassinating these fire mages that controlled it or something like that but but the the beginnings of the faceless men are tied very closely to the doom of valeria which i thought it was weird that it wasn't mentioned anywhere in the wiki for this 
I saw that too. I actually heard that on a, a YouTube video that they were members of the, the slave groups that were working the mines. And mm-hmm. that's where like the being blind tradition and shit like that comes from because they spent so much time down there. Right. And, uh, you know, the excess amount of dead slaves around you, just cut their face off. Just, you know, wear it and uh, go assassinate some people. Got it. Boom. Done. So let's move on to what it takes to hatch a dragon egg. Do you know how to hatch a dragon egg? I don't. Um, I couldn't. Where, where's I honestly, the? You sit on it for a few weeks and it hatches. That's a big fucking egg, man. I've got. Well, ass isn't that big. Calvin's been sitting on him for years. Yeah, they haven't hatched he's, yet. He's like one of these days, you motherfuckers. Um, but there's been rumors of you know blood magic Obviously. requiring a life for a life a right. lot of heat Definitely um heat. you know heat's heat's a necessity but i i honestly went with a theory i found and that let's not get the theories yet i i have a few more uh let's call them facts there you go um, okay hit your facts yeah we Son. gotta we gotta get f- quote-unquote facts before we get to theories uh, there, they did have dragon hatcheries on Dragonstone on a Dragonmont, uh, which is a volcano, uh, where many eggs and young, young hatchlings could be found. So it seems like that that's where you get your heat there, right? Is if you have proximity to an active volcano, you're going to get some eggs hatching. Um, the eggs were often placed in the cradles of baby Targaryens, and if the eggs hatched, they were said to be a true Targaryen. So I guess this isn't really how to hatch them, but this is some circumstances around hatching. Um, and Daenerys' eggs, as we know, they hatched when she walked into Drogo's funeral pyre while Mary Mazdur was off crying out incantations or spells of some sort. Uh, she also burned alive. And that that's pretty much it, That all that we factually know. That's true. It is known. It is known. All right, so what was known. your theory that you found that you liked? Uh, that it was entirely based in genetics. Okay, that... I saw that one. I watched like an hour worth of videos that were incredibly fascinating and detailed the start of the Targaryen and Valerian bloodline and how it worked, you know, the double X allele and stuff like that. I'm not going to go into super big details, but basically if you had, if you were born from a certain bloodline, that kind of enabled you to hatch eggs. If you had the double X allele, if you just had the one, you could be necessarily like a dragon rider. That's what that telepathic connection almost. Mm-hmm. Same same thing with like enabling you to be able to skin change, skin walk, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, that coincides with being able to hatch dragon eggs. And <clears throat> in or the that videos I watched, hatch in your presence, right? By, right. By if you spend in, yeah. enough time with them, and that's one of the reasons why Targaryens put the eggs in, you know, starting in the crib because if you get the obviously you get a, an infant say little it's always women that i found or at least in this string of theories yeah that, that was the theory that so. it was carried on the x gene and because women have x gene they have a greater likelihood of you need that you need the double x gene it's the same as mutants right next men you need the double x gene to to actually hatch and ride a dragon and so men could only carry the dragon hatching riding gene because they have a single X chromosome. Correct. Yeah. There you go. 
You explained it so much more elegantly. That's because so that's because I didn't dive too deep in that theory because I didn't really like it that much. Um, oh, dude, killer! I thought that I thought it was fantastic actually. The way it coincided with the timeline was great. I felt it was really convoluted and like they were making a lot of leaps Horribly to make, so. things, feet, to make so. things fit. Very con. Uh, well, I mean, but again, I magic. didn't. I didn't read the whole thing either. So that's you know that that's on me. And I'm not saying it's a bad theory. I, I don't have a ton of details on it, but that's why I could explain it more succinctly because I read like the tagline of it and that's it. So I don't have all these other facts about it weighing my brain down. So weighed down. Fuck your facts. Most of the theories that I saw, other than the the double X genes and you know all of the science behind that, you and your you and your damn science theories in our magic dragon books. I'm a scientist. I'm just, it, it, you know, I'm just gravitated towards them. They definitely um, all consider that there needed to be some sort of blood sacrifice and extreme heat. Um, the blood sacrifice may need to be Valerian blood. Uh, inbreeding between Targaryens and Valerians was important for most of these theories uh, to, to help with the genetic mix, kind of like what you were talking about. Um, and most of the theories that I, I found had some mixture of blood magic, genetics, and telepathic bonds with Valerians, but nothing... I didn't find, other than that one that you referenced, there was nothing, like, super fleshed out. No, there really wasn't. That one was... That's what also kind of makes me lean more toward that, is it's... The depth that was put into that theory, it makes sense to me, at least. It, it does until you realize George R. R. Martin is pretty bad at genetics. Um, I've watched other videos from Preston Jacobs where he tries to go into uh, Martin's genetic system that he seems to go by in not only A Song of Ice and Fire, but some of his other earlier sci-fi works. And it, it's never as clean as real-life genetics or uh, as, as clean as even he wants it to be, I think. Well, I mean, he goes off the middle school way of learning, which is the Mendelian version of genetics. Yeah, but it's kind of a bastardized Mendelian. Well, yeah. I mean, he's it's been a long time since he's been in middle yeah. school, Calvin. Not in 1999, it wasn't. I mean, still, that dude is old as no, fuck. Um, he was like but 50. I, as as in most series, I think it does. It, it takes some combination of heat, sacrifice, and magic. Um, and that, that magic could include Valerian blood and genetics um, as, as part of that. Maybe we're chalking up to magic, but really it's science because science and magic aren't that different in most cases. You know, science, if you, bitch! If you take back science from today to the 1500s, they're going to think you're magic, right? So, oh, so they, that's, that's kind of why. They're, they're always intertwined. They'd burn you second three. Like, we don't have any dragons, but we have a whole lot of fire... Um, so let's look at Danny for a second and her hatching her dragons, what she had and how this kind of fits into, she's a, a woman, obviously, as we've stated. So she has the double X gene if needed. Um, if, like if that's a thing that exists here, the, the heat was there from the funeral pyre, obviously the fat, the sacrifice could be considered to be Drogo and Danny's unborn son, uh, either directly in the pyre or indirectly through Mary Mazdor's blood magic in the tent a few days prior. Um, a lot of people think that Mary Mazdor was specifically trying to hatch dragons, not ever trying to save Drogo and the baby. Like, she's there. 
She knows that those eggs exist. She's doing everything in her power to bring those dragons back, not actually save Drogo or the baby like she's telling Danny. But why? Um, <clears throat> there is a very strong possibility that she was a student of Archmaester Marwyn, I want to say. The dude at the Citadel that Sam meets in his last chapter, that as soon as he meets him, he's like, you've got a Targaryen on your boat, let's fucking go. Um, that guy, I believe it's Archmaester Marwyn. See, that's more of a leap of faith than anything genetics related to me. That she's trying to bring those dragons back? Yes. Um, da, 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 da. Let me see. Feast for Crows. That's even worse than just saying magic. Oh, it's coincidental. Yeah, no, that, that, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Archmaester Marwyn, who I'm thinking of. Um, well, it's not magic. It's, it's, so Archmaester Marwyn is one of the, uh, alive historians that knows the most information about dragons. He specifically sends uh, Alaris out to find Sam and bring him to her because he knows that he had uh, Aemon Targaryen on his ship and he needs that ship now to go off to Daenerys after he learns Daenerys has hatched dragons. Uh, and so Miriam Asdur was most likely at some point a student of his and learned all this dragon knowledge from him. So the thought is that she came across Danny with these dragon eggs, remembering what she learned from Archmaester Marwyn, and tried to apply it and bring the dragons back. And maybe she succeeded. Mm, I'm just going to shut up, because I just want to argue about it. No, go ahead. Like, that's what we're here for. That... Why, why is that unthinkable? Because in a time when people don't carry books or have any record of knowledge and it's all oral history, so much would get confused. And you think a small lesson in regards to... I mean, it wasn't a small lesson. It was like she studied at the Citadel under him kind of thing. I understand, but if his specialty is dragons and ancient Targaryen stuff, either way, he's got a whole lot of other stuff to teach her before he would even get into that stuff in depth because it's not entirely necessary. Well, no, so he... he so the maesters are mostly on a political path to extinguish magic and the idea of dragons and all of that. They they want more scientific pursuits, much like yourself. And so no, I love any, of, any of this teaching would have to have been done off the side. He wouldn't be able to actually teach about the dra his knowledge of dragons and magic and all of that. He would have to kind of do that as a side project. And so think back to in high school, sitting in history class, the things you learned versus like side conversations you would have with teachers what what stuck with you more things that you learned in the book or things that you learned outside of the book in just having real conversations with teachers the things i learned from the book oh see i'm the opposite well i mean i had empirical evidence in front of me in textual form you know i had a reference to go to whereas the teacher if he's talking off his ass no 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 that that's not what i'm talking about is like so uh, a history class for example in an American history class, you have to learn very specific things because those specific things will be on a test. But there's so much more depth to those things that actually occurred, right? Oh, of course. So that's what I'm talking about in the side. Not like he took a side conversation to tell you that he thinks uh, Bigfoot killed JFK. 
No, I get what you're saying. He, yeah, he, just like you he, have a basic curriculum. This, this teacher about it. expand right. This teacher expanded on the things you learned in the book in a way that made it more interesting and more likely to stick in your brain. And I think that's what Marwin was doing with the people who he kept clo- with the students he kept close by, or at least that's the idea behind uh, people like Alaris and uh, Pite and uh, or Pate, sorry, and Mary Mazdor. Yeah, I just I'm not feeling it. I I feel okay. like that would be too far in the past. Yeah, I I don't know. That's well, we I don't know when to... it was though. She's relatively old. She's been with the the sheep man yeah. or whatever for quite so a while. I, and I, and I, and I'm confused. I don't remember this all off the top of my head. It wasn't even part of my notes. I, I like I'm trying to to kind of piece it together as we're going. But it might not even be she studied in the Citadel. He may have made a, a trip over there at some point and, and taught her things while he was there. And she learned under him while he was there. Because she's the healer of her group. And so I think he went there as like a, a missionary type trip, right? And he was teaching them the ways of healing. And in that, must have gotten into some dragon conversation is the thought behind this. I hear you can heal people with fire. He's like, yeah, totally. Dragons have a ton of it. They do a whole lot of healing. So you're healing everybody to get back on track. Um, the, the sacrifice is either Drogo, uh, Regal, the, the unborn baby or, uh, or not Regal, Rego would have been his name. Uh, or the sacrifice could have even been Miriam door herself or even Danny when she walked into the fire. Um, and the magic part of it comes from Miriam Azdor. Um, she is just screaming things, but actual words in a different language as Danny's walking into the fire. Um, so that it's, it's thought that she's actually screaming out the spells needed to hatch the dragons at this point. Like she planted the seed earlier in the tent, transferring the life force of Rago into the dragon eggs. Um, and, and that was her goal there is she's shadow binding inside this tent. And she's transferring life force from Drogo and Rago into the previously stone eggs because when Rago is born, he it it's like this grotesque leathery thing that she says has been dead for months, um, which is not true because as Danny walks in the tent, she can feel him kicking inside of her, so he's alive up until the moment she enters the tent. Um, oh, so man, there's some there, trippy the, shit. Yeah, the thought is the magic started there. She transferred the life force, and then as she's going, as Danny's finally going into the fire, she finishes off the spell to actually hatch the eggs. It just sounds terrible. No, I thank mean, you. Yeah, and I mean your explanation is Danny stood next to the eggs long enough that they hatched. Yep. But in the last 150 years, no other Targaryen female had the two X genes that she needed and stood close enough to those eggs how many other Targaryens are there in the last 150 years there were quite a few right and they hatched a shitload no of eggs. the dragons went extinct in 152 and our story takes place in about 302 see I thought it was about 100 years later 150, it's 150 years, years later. later yeah it's 150 right. years well, later after all the dragons are extinct after the last dragon was extinct. But the Targaryens are still in rule for most of those 150 years, and there's, Targa- there's Targaryen blood all over the place because they be fucking. Well, I mean, they absolutely are, but Aegon V did a whole lot of spreading of the bloodline. So, I mean, if you're interrupting the that fourth. cycle... 
the fifth. Aegon no, the... No, Aegon the fourth, the unworthy. Egg? I'm egg pretty is sure it's Aegon. I'm pretty it's sure. It's Aegon the fourth, the unworthy. Um, those are the same people. No, Aegon the fifth is Aegon oh, the unlikely. unlikely. yes. Yes. And he's the one in Duncan Egg. Uh, right, he, and he was he's not the out one... fucking. No, he's no. the one who made his kids marry a bunch of other people. That's why he had a show. Oh the yes, spreading the blood. Yes, okay, I, I understand now. That's right. I thought you were. I thought you were saying spreading the bloodline is, as in out there fucking everybody. Oh no, he he had a nice marriage. He <laughs> was, was a good guy. That was Aegon the Fourth, who was who had bastards all over town, and then on his deathbed, uh, legitimized them all. And led to the Blackfire Rebellions. What a dickhead. He's yeah. like, hey, ladies, I got some jizz. And then, you know. So like, I confused eh. what you meant by spreading the bloodline. You meant spreading it thin. I meant spreading it. Spreading his jelly. That was gross. <laughs> oh, All right, so now that we've... we've I've been hanging out with this dude too much. We've, we've hatched some eggs... Uh, we've brought the dragons over from Valeria to Westeros. Let's talk about what the Targaryens did with these. When did these dragons first come to Westeros? I don't have a date because I'm a I'm a piece of shit. I know I what do. is it? Twelve years? I got it. You're the guy in the front row with the hand up. Isn't it? Wasn't it twelve years before the Doom? Yes, it was twelve years before the Doom, which was about 114 BC before Aegon's conquest. So everything is. B.C. before the conquest, A.C. after the conquest. Before Christ? Conquest. Conquest is what the C I think you mispronounced Christ. It did not. (laughs) Uh, Balerion the Black Dread, again, great name, and four unnamed dragons arrived on Dragonstone when the Targaryens went into their self-imposed exile from Valeria. Uh, Danny's Targaryen... Which again, just great naming of these Targaryens. Let's let's spread the love of of names. Uh, yeah, she, this fucking flat out blows. Danny's, this is Danny's horrible. the dreamer had a vision of the Doom of Valeria uh, twelve years before it happened, and they were like, "Fuck this, we're getting out of here." Yeah, and they did. They fucking bounced hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when they got to Dragonstone, and then uh, by two BC is when they made actual landfall on the mainland of Westeros and Aegon's conquest actually began ushered in the age of dragons in Westeros. Yeah, they were fucking tearing shit up. Aegon the first, Rhaenys and Visenya, his sister wives, traveled from Dragonstone on their dragons, Valerian, Vagar, and Meraxes. A lot more thought goes into the dragon naming than the, the Targaryen name. They sound hard as fuck, dude. These sound like goddamn, you know, life sentence prison guys that have killed a bajillion people. I wouldn't fuck with anyone named Meraxes. I don't give a fuck if I'm ordering coffee. It sounds like it should be in God of War, to be honest. 100%. So they land in 2 BC on what would later become King's Landing uh, with fewer than 1,600 men and begin the Wars of Conquest. Yeah, I mean, three huge dragons, because how old's Balerion at this point? And he... Valerian, so he was, when he died in 94 AC, he was just under 200. So he's about 100 at this point. I thought he was like 202 or something like that. Right. Uh, well, so he, he was one of the dragons that came with them in 114, and now it's 2 BC, so at least 113 years old. When he was the oldest and biggest dragon already. 
So with these dragons, uh, or dragons all over Westeros throughout history, the next about 150 years we had dragons, 28 total dragons lived on Westeros with 36 dragon riders. Huh. See, I got a different number. Oh, what did you have? I had 24 dragon riders. I have 36. There was a, a good list on the wiki, and I just pretty much counted them one by one. Um, that's that's exactly what I did. Maybe, but <laughs> it's possible if somebody was listed twice that I, I counted them twice. So that could have been a no problem. No one was listed twice, but multiple dragons had multiple riders. Right. So there should be more riders than dragons. Because dragons outlive their riders almost always. Uh, because dragons are near invulnerable. Near invulnerable. That's fair, but a shitload got killed. In Some the Dance of Dragons, had. which a shitload of people got killed, too. Do you right, only have the Targaryen had dragon riders and not, like, all the the random dudes that started mounting dragons in the Dance of Dragons? No, I got Hugh Hammer and Ulf the yeah. White and Nettles and hmm. the Valerians. So, 24 to 36 riders of these dragons. <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah. Let's just go with that. Um mm-hmm. So these dragon riders, they bonded with their dragons in various ways. Um, a lot of Targaryens bonded at birth or inherited their dragon through their genealogy, as we've discussed. Um, there's also got to be somewhat of a trust relationship between the dragon and the rider. Dragons choose their riders more so than riders choose their dragons. It's kind of a very the wand choose the wizard type thing going on here. Oh, yeah, definitely. And if they don't like you, they'll fucking kill you. Absolutely. They have no problem killing a dude that they don't want riding them. Pretty much, yeah. Most most people believe that a potential rider needed to have Larian blood somewhere in their family tree in order to ride a dragon. That's never necessarily been proven, but it's also never been disproven because uh, the Targaryens kind of just didn't let other people ride dragons. There's so, a, some. There's a lot of evidence in regards to the dragon seeds, but but there's no. That's there's not also necessarily no, evidence. Like hard evidence. There's no hard evidence that the dragon seeds are actually bastards of Targaryens. Like, anybody could have shown up and just been like, yeah, I, my, my mom fucked a Targaryen. Like, yeah, I was legitimized by Aegon the Idiot. That's a better name than Aegon the Unworthy. <laughs> the Unworthy Idiot? That's basically calling someone an idiot. Yeah, like, yeah you're unworthy. Yeah, you you sucked so much that you're In not parentheses, unworthy. idiot. Um, so during the Dance of the Dragon, both sides of the war were short on riders, and they put out more or less an open casting call for Targaryen bastards to try their luck mounting a dragon. And that's where you're alluding to the dragon seeds. A um, lot of people died trying, yeah, to, like trying sh- to find a dragon, trying to uh, get on one of these dragons. I'm sure it's extremely downplayed, because if you just put out a call right now... Lit in nothing would change in America right now. Like, hey, we have dragons. You have the opportunity to ride them. If you're special, you have to come here. Well, and we don't know if you're, we don't know if you're special. Right, you may die. Thousands of people, dude. I bet fifty thousand people would flock to that shit. Oh, and they easily. would mostly die. Yeah. Uh, like the NFL draft. So nettles is the the exception that proves the rule here, right? She apparently had no Targaryen blood. No confirmed. Right, But correct. it's entirely possible she was a bastard child. Or the 
the child of a bastard child or the you know who knows how far it has to go up the the bloodline to actually be considered but as far as anyone knew nettles did not have any targaryen blood but she was able to tame sheep stealer and she did it in kind of an interesting way as opposed to all these other dragon seeds that just showed up and tried to jump on a dragon um (laughs) sheep stealer was one of these dragons there were three that were supposedly untamable and they were they were wild. They were just out there flying around. No one was ever able to mount her. But the legend and one was named Cannibal. So yes, and I couldn't remember the third, so I wasn't gonna. I think it was name Silverwing. Him. No, Silverwing or like Stormcloud or something. Yeah, Stormcloud sounds right. They sound like Transformers. Fucking Honda. So, um, <laughs> Nettles would bring sheep had a dragon food named fucking... every night for weeks, trying to gain gain sheep stealers process. Should bring her like dead lambs and shit like that um after some amount of time sheep stealer actually allowed nettles to mount her and they took off never to be seen again no one ever knows how nettles was able to do it the legend is that she just brought her food every night and and eventually gained trust and just let her i mean he's like this is sweet yeah this is tight oh we can fly somewhere where i can get food yeah tight well I mean she was she did a little bit of fighting before she went off apparently to the the Vale and was like a goddess for the mountain men I thought that was dope yeah Shout you know that dragon else. was like tight I'll get worshipped I don't even give a fuck they have a ton of goats up here yeah as uh, as part of this we wanted to each pick one notable Targaryen dragon rider and kind of go into detail so Nick you go first with your notable Targaryen dragon rider See, I originally wanted to pick Hugh Hammer on Vermithor, nice. but he is not a Targaryen. Well, that's okay. Did you do the research on it? I didn't really. Okay. So, well, I, I did a you know, I got him pulled up, but I chose Daemon Targaryen and Seraxes the Bloodworm because, holy fuck, that's the dopest name on yeah. earth. Oh my god, Seraxes the Bloodworm? That sounds like a fucking WWE move that would kill you. Wasn't Damon the original Blackfire? Like he, yes. he's not he's not an official Blackfire, but like that was his nickname. He basically helped start the shit. Yeah. He, he was not not necessarily a go with the flow no. kind of guy. He was he was a little bit not tight. Um, he had he had more experience in warfare than most of his other family members during at the start of the Dance of Dragons. So he was often referred to as like one of the most dangerous people on the fucking earth, and uh, did a whole lot of pillaging, a whole lot of killing, and he had Seraxes the Bloodworm. That's enough said. Yeah. I, I could go in. There's so much about Damon that What's I would love to talk tale? about. Because that's what on on mine I've got like one of the more notable things that this person did. So let, let's hear one one uh, war story from Damon. Uh, so during during Cyraxes sounds the, like a Mortal uh, Kombat person. I guess there's Cyrax. That's probably what I'm comparing it to. I mean, it's pretty yeah, pretty fucking tight. Um. Sorry, I got a little. I don't have the battle that he was in. I'm pretty sure he ended up killing Vermithor, actually. Um, 
he got taken to his death, but he's the one who got with nettles during the war, and uh, he created his base in Maidenpool, and then he started bedding nettles, getting down with it, and originally Queen Reina, Rhaenyra, wanted nettles dead, so he, he kind of sent her on yeah, her way. Yeah, nobody liked nettles. Apparently not. Except the mountain and, and the veil. Yeah, that was about it. That's that's all I'm gonna say about him. He was a fucking thug, though. He really was. Um, he was he was like, you're on Greyjoy 2.0 or 1.0. You're he on Grey, like, Euron is like Damon 2.0, really. Pretty much. Real real and, Euron, book Euron, not Euron that we get in Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's just My Chemical Romance Euron. This guy's fucking Metallica Euron. No, yeah, Damon was like sex pirate with a flying dragon kind of dude. Well, yeah, with a dude named, you know, Sraxis the Bloodworm. Let me say it for the fifth time. But it was a badass dragon. I would contend that Blaring the Black Dread is better than uh, Sraxis the Bloodworm, but Sraxis the Bloodworm is is a good honorable mention there. Well, this is just a different style, and from what I read and listened to about Damon, he was just notorious for, like, creative combat. So was Syraxes. Like, they were just so quick. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd, just, he'd disappear in some clouds and then reappear above you and just fucking wreck you for two, three seconds and then, you know, dip out again. And I'm pretty sure... Oh, yeah, yeah, he was fighting Vermithor, I believe... Um, and Syraxes clamped down on Vermithor's throat, and basically they were falling to the ground, and Damon jumped off Syraxes yeah. and stabbed the other, I forget what, I think what it was. The other rider, yeah. Damon One-Eye or something? There's a lot of Damons running yeah. around. Stabbed him through his blind eye and fucking killed him like that. Ended up dying, but that's fucking tight. That's like going out like Tom Cruise. <laughs> If only Tom Cruise can ride a dragon and jump off and stab somebody in the eye as he dies. I could see he that. He fucking would. I mean, Matthew McConaughey gave his best shot at it, but there's just no dragon riders. I went with the good queen Alisane Targaryen and her mount, Silverwing. So that's why. I get it. I see where you're at, because I wanted to pick Silverwing. Yeah, Silverwing's a dope name. Silverwing's just a dope-ass dragon. Yeah. Uh, so Queen Alysanne is the daughter of Prince Aenys Targaryen, who will later become King Aenys I uh, for a very short period of time, and Lady Alyssa Valarian. Uh, she's born in 36 AC. Silverwing had hatched from an egg placed in Alysanne's cradle after her birth. Um, and after Magor the Cruel's death, under uncircum- uncertain circumstances, Alysanne, Jaehaerys, and their sister Reyna flew on their dragons to King's Landing to take the Iron Throne for Jaehaerys, who was the next rightful heir. Uh, Magor actually skipped him in succession, but they weren't going to fuck with Magor because this dude's name is Magor the Cruel. So they just kind of waited till somebody poisoned him and he died, and then they went and took it. Yeah, they're like, I guess I'll go. Yep. Uh, Alysanne and Jaehaerys married in a secret ceremony on Dragonstone after learning of uh, some plots by the faith to marry them into other families. They wanted to, to keep it in the fam, brother, sister, that whole thing. Can't break up our love. No. Uh, but they, they eventually uh, legalized the marriage and, and made it public and all that. Uh, but most notably, these two traveled to the north um, and it, in, Winterfell, in Winterfell and later the Wall 
uh, Queen Allison went first and uh, got there, kind of schmoozed with the Starks before Jaharis got there. And then when Jaharis got there and had to get down to the real man business, she was like, this is fucking boring. I'm going to the wall now. We go piss off the edge of the world. Right. So uh, this trip up north, it helped the Targaryens continue to consolidate their power and make amends with northern houses who had kind of been ignored by the Targaryen leaders because they're so far away. Uh, she, as, as she's traveling between Winterfell and the Wall, she stopped at a lot of these little towns and stayed the night. Um, one of these towns, now named Queen's Crown, was named after her after she stayed there for a night. So that's like, it'd be like going to a Hilton and just being such a great guest that they're like, nope, we're calling this the Calvin from now on. <laughs> That's kind of a dope-ass hotel name, not going to lie. We're renaming our whole structure because you were such a great guest. Thank you. And you paid us, too. So here at the Calvin... She, she was just kind of this this entrancing presence that uh, she, was, she was very good at convincing people to listen to her way. I'm pretty sure she was super hot. There's a very good chance of that. Oh. And she had a dragon, so I mean, you know, yeah, I probably listened to her pretty well too. Uh, but but she she was very good at in using her powers to influence uh, uh, people in the north, and just by uh, her powers you mean boobs uh, potentially. Uh, there there's no <laughs> explicit evidence that it was her boobs. It, uh, everything hints at straight up persuasion, not sexual know, persuasion. George R. R. Martin's gonna come out and be like, he was her boobs, hundred percent. One hundred. He he listens. So I keep it a hundred. It's all about them titties. <laughs> while she's at the wall, she tried several times to fly with Silverwing north of the wall, and Silverwing refused. Um, the, the troubled Alisane, she couldn't figure out. She didn't understand it. My best guess is that Silverwing had some sense of the magic of the others or the children of the forest that was beyond the wall, and just wanted nothing to do with them. Shout out to my I man, Viserion, to who did not have the same luck. Yeah, poor guy. Fucking idiot. Um, so one of, one of the instances of her using her influence, uh, she convinced the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch to close the Night Fort and open a smaller castle nearby, uh, just because the Night Fort was the oldest fort. It was in disrepair, really costly to keep up. She used her own jewels and crown to finance the construction of the new castle, which was named Deep Lake and then later Queen's Lake. Uh, or Queen's Gate, sorry. Uh, and then she admired the men of the Night's Watch so much that she convinced her husband, the king, Jaehaerys, to double the amount of land in the gift that was technically held by the Night's Watch. Um, this angered some of the northern lords, but she didn't really care. She's like, bitch, I have a dragon, yeah. and I'm hot, so... She also used her influence to put an end to the practice of the Lord's Right to the First Night, which, for all you Braveheart fans, is another term for the prima nocta, where any lord can have sex with any maiden uh, under their lordship the night before their marriage. No, the night of their or marriage. Or of their marriage, whatever. Right, they consummate the marriage basically before the husband can consummate the marriage. Right. It's fucking bullshit. So she's she put an end to it. Basically, yeah, she's like a revolutionary. Yeah, she's out there uh, feminizing the North, which is great for her. I mean, they need it up there. Those guys need to fucking shave. <laughs> um, there are many in the world that believe Silverwing may have left a clutch of eggs at the wall or at Winterfell during their stay. Never been confirmed, though. I'm one of them. I believe it. I think so, too. I think there's some eggs that we don't know about. 
floating around. Uh, That's what's in the the dungeon, not the dungeons, crypts. but the uh, the crypts of Winterfell. Yeah, for more on the crypts of Winterfell, go back to our old episode. I believe it was episode ninety nine. Nineteen nine. Uh, her last flight on Silverwing was in ninety two AC. She died in one hundred AC after returning to Dragonstone. Uh, there is a sad song named Alisane that may very well have been written about the Good Queen. Uh, Silverwing then resided on Dragonstone after Alisane's death for a while. Eventually, during the Dance of Dragons, was claimed by Ulf the White, and uh, after Ulf the White died, uh. Silverwing was just wild and made a lair in an island on Red Lake and eventually died, I assume. I'm pretty sure she was eaten up, or he was eaten up. Yeah. Pretty sure. So let's talk a little bit about the extinction of the dragons. And this was a last-minute note, so if you don't have much on it, I understand. It was pretty much the Dance of Dragons. Yeah. Um, You know, they... So many dragons got fucking slaughtered, and they couldn't reproduce more at a, a rapid enough rate because these dragon hatchers, you know, they're just dying left and right. There's not enough. Well, nobody actually knew what it line. took to hatch a dragon. They just got lucky most of the time. Right. They they threw a lot of shit at the wall. They thought a few things worked, and they gave it a shot. So without being consistent and having a consistent amount of dragon eggs, a consistent amount of dragon hatchers or females to do so, and all the perfect ingredients, you're going to miss out on some, some chances there. Exactly. Uh, before the Dance of Dragons started, there were 20 dragons alive and thriving in Westeros. Um, and then... In 129 AC, King Viserys I died, and his reign was over. Um, that's when the Dance of Dragons, which is the Targaryen Civil War, began, uh, because two feuding factions, the Blacks and the Greens, um, couldn't decide on the succession of the Iron Throne. We've, they said, we're going to fight it out yep. with nuclear bombs. We're not going to go too deep into the Dance of Dragons. That could be its own episode, um, so, so we'll just gloss over it, but... Uh, basically, Viserys claimed that his oldest daughter was his heir, and then upon his death, his oldest male offspring from a different wife attempted to claim the throne, saying because he's the oldest male, he inherits, though doesn't matter what Viserys said when he was alive, um, and this led to a lot of Targaryens and dragons dying. Yeah, like most of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, like 99%. Most, most of them died in the battle, but um, that there's... Some died in the dragon pit. There was this raid on the dragon pit that a lot of people believe there, that there was a secret plot by the maesters to suppress magic. And that secret plot led to the extin- extinction of the dragon. So there are maesters, you know, kind of putting fears and paranoia into the ears of these two leaders, kind to egg them on going further into the dragon war. Like, let, let's keep this going. Dragons are dying. And they may or may not have actually led the raid on the Dragon Pit or, or sparked the raid on the Dragon Pit um, where many of the, the younger dragons had been kept. Uh, that, and that this was mostly common folk breaking into the Dragon Pit where these younger dragons are kept and just beating the shit out of these dragons because they <laughs> couldn't, the dragons couldn't get away. They're chained up in there. Throwing fucking haymakers, uppercutting them. It reminds me of something that happened a few weeks ago, stoked on by, you know, somebody who's supposed to be in a position of power. 
I mean, it's almost exactly like that, but instead of but human beings dying, dragons, dragons die. Right. And well, a lot of human beings died too because the dragons are dragons. Right. And and also because there are certain security measures and lockdown procedures uh, that spawn specifically from the Dance of the Dragon. Like we learned our history from the Dance of the Dragons. We have lockdown procedures now so that no angry mob can break into our institutions and you know kill our dragons. Not here. Not going to fly. The Dance of Dragons ended in 131 AC. Only four dragons were left alive. Sheepstealer, who again Nettles had taken off with. Uh, The Cannibal was still out there being wild. Silverwing, my girl, still alive and kicking. And The Morning. There were, however, a lot of dragon eggs that remained around after the war. Uh, We only know of one hatching. The last dragon uh, that ever hatched was Stunted, Sick, and Misshapen and died young in 153 AC. So it took almost 20 years to hatch it, and then it died almost immediately after laying five eggs that also never hatched. So sad. Since then, there have been many failed attempts to revive dragons by the Targaryens between 153 AC and about 300 AC when Daenerys finally hatched her. So 153 is the last one. Again, I think it was about 302 AC when Daenerys hatched hers. Uh, Aegon III, the Dragon's Bane, had nine mages cross the Narrow Sea to use their magic in an attempt to hatch the remaining eggs. Didn't work. Baylor I, the Blessed, attempted to hatch the egg by preying on it. Obviously didn't work. Aegon IV, the Unworthy, as we mentioned before, he ordered the Pyromancers to build seven mechanical dragons that shot jets of wildfire. Now, this isn't actually trying to hatch the dragons, this is just a cool side plot. It's like Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. I'm going to need this in one of these new HBO series that they're putting together. Fucking tight. I'm, oh, shit. I'm thinking, like, in the, the Dunkin' Egg series, maybe early in that, I, I'm pretty sure Aegon Fourth is still around and kicking at that point because the Dunkin' Egg series mostly deals with the black, the early Blackfire rebellions, and Aegon hmm. Fourth is what kicked those off when he legitimized all those bastards. So I, I could see... Let's, let's get some mechanical dragons with wildfire. 100%. HBO, so I know you're listening. George, I know you're listening. Here's the dumbest instance. Arian Brightflame, uh, as he was nicknamed, attempted to drink wildfire, thinking he would actually transform into a dragon. Uh, he died screaming. There you go. So, no. He can feel it. <laughs> um, the tragedy of Summerhall uh, also most likely resulted from uh, Aegon V, the unlikely egg from Duncan Egg novels, trying to hatch dragon eggs as well. And Egg may or may not have been attempting to sacrifice baby Rhaegar at the time, but was saved. Uh, Rhaegar was saved by Sir Duncan the Tall, as was everybody else. Um, Eris, the Mad King, was in there. He was saved by Sir Duncan the Tall also. And uh, that not too much is known about the tragedy of Summerhall. It's most likely because it's being saved for the end of the Duncan Egg novellas. Um, it would just... That would be an amazing and heartbreaking way to end the Duncan Egg stories, is to see what happens at the tragedy of Summerhall, to see kind of inside what Egg is thinking, why he thought he could hatch an egg all of a sudden, why he needs Rhaegar or Eris or whoever he's trying to sacrifice in that castle with him when he does it, because he wasn't necessarily close to Eris at that time. um, I believe Eris was his grandson? 
So mm, um, I think so. Yeah. So it, it's not he didn't have this close relationship to him, but for some reason, Eris and Rhaegar were at the castle, and Sir Duncan the Tall had something going on that he's like, I got to get these people out, and he did, and Egg died in the tragedy of Summerhall, and uh, the the whole place fucking burned down. And Rhaegar. And so did Dunk. Yes, Dunk did as well, and Rhaegar would often visit the ruins of Summerhall uh, as he grew older, and it was a place where he liked to go and, and make songs and, and just kind of be solemn. Uh, so is an interesting place. Yeah, I'd love to see that brought to life. That'd be great. Okay, real quick, let's talk about how Game of Thrones handled its dragon riders. Starting with Daenerys. First of her name. She was the, Queen of the Andals, the, first man, the Rhoynar. Unburnt. Uh, freer of men. Breaker of Chains. Breaker of Chains. Khaleesi. Khaleesi of the Great Gra- Grass Sea. Yes. That's all Mother of Dragons. Mother of Dragons, yeah. How do we forget that one all the way to the end? Shit. There's more. Titles, titles, titles. Titles, 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 titles. Uh, what did you think about Daenerys? I thought they did a relatively solid job mm-hmm. depicting her her ascent to being a, a, a dragon rider, especially without all the background information in the show, you know, obviously that we have in our minds now. Right. So I'm, I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, I liked her, the bond she developed. I, I was a little off put by the magic, but they handled it well. You know, they handled it pretty pretty solid until the end when she's just like uh i'd love people and i'm gonna free all of them psych I'm gonna you're all gonna all. get burned yeah Woo. Um, yeah i agree that the hatching of the dragon was an amazing moment and at that point i was all in on team danny because it, it was 100 um but by the time she was ready <laughs> to actually ride drogon i had kind of soured on her a bit but it, it was still incredible to see her actually mount it uh that first flight scene was rough with the cgi and everything uh, but it was cool score getting to was see her there. finally do that. Yes, the the score oh, and yeah. the setup to it was was great. Um, that that ride in the books is far from as satisfying as it is in the show. Um, so just for people who are listening that maybe haven't read the books, uh, they, Drogon strands Danny out in the middle of the desert. Uh, she kind of just wanders for days, suffers from dysentery. Uh, and potentially her first period since Mary Mazdor quote-unquote cursed her, but more likely has a miscarriage and uh, that she had become pregnant either by Dario or his Darza Lorek at this point. Um, so it, it seems that her uh, reproductive system is up and working again either way, which is important to note there. Uh, then Drogon just kind of takes off and uh, goes to find their special rock that they would hide under. And the last we see of her is that scene. We see it in the, the end of season five of Game of Thrones as well, that Dothraki Kalisar kind of closing in on her. But we don't know how that plays out at all. Dun, but Drogon's dun, dun. just fucking gone, and she hasn't seen him for, like, a couple days. That would be terrifying. It's it's definitely harrowing, and it's also one of the more interesting uh, plot threads that, I, that I'd like to see how it plays out, how it differs from what happened in the show, what we got of, of that Kalisar taking her back and things like that. And um, also the, the other two dragons have been released within Marine and are kind of wreaking uncontrollable havoc around town. Just the smidge. Yeah. Shout out Viserion and Rhaegal. 
killing everybody. Now, John, he's the second rider. I, I liked that John got to ride his dragon. He deserves it. If anyone deserves it, it's John, right? I mean, yeah, he gets a fucking dope-ass direwolf, That's though. true. Who just completely disappears in the last three seasons, so fuck that guy. It's not John's fault. No. No, it's not. Uh, they had the CGI mostly figured out by the time John got to ride it. So he always kind of looked cool riding it. Whenever Danny would ride it, you'd, you'd still have that vision of her first ride and how stupid it looked. Right. It looked like she was riding on a carpet. Yes. And and the show like a wood frame. gave him Rhaegal, the green one, because Rhaegar was his father. And, and that's the connection. But in my mind, it's always been thematically more appropriate that he would ride Viserion, the white one, because John is the white wolf. His last name is Snow. He lives in the north and beyond the wall, where it's mostly always winter. Uh, he gets an albino direwolf named Ghost. John is just constantly draped in white imagery, so it makes sense that he would end up riding the white dragon. Right? Doesn't that make sense? Right. Killed a bunch of white walkers? <laughs> yeah. Just everything surrounding John is constantly white. And I think... So there's a possibility, and I kind of just thought of this yesterday while I was putting the notes together, that Viserion follows him, his same path and John still gets to ride him right so Viserion dies uh, uh, on the other side of the wall John at this moment is still dead in the books we we don't know that he will actually come back to life or how he will come back to life um so what if while John is dead he learns what's going on with the others and he ends up sympathizing with them because maybe they have an actual motivation that makes sense right oh snap <laughs> they could actually be right from a certain point of view uh, and so he ends up helping them with whatever it is their goal may be. You know, the the show didn't help us at all in this regard. So at that point, he either is or isn't resurrected. Doesn't matter. Uh, but he's he's now on the other. He's on Team Others. And he helps them capture Viserion uh, or kill Viserion and, and turn him whatever needs to happen. And then he mounts him. And eventually he can still follow his same path. John can. Is he, he mounts. He fights against Danny. And he retires on the other side of the wall, as he did in the show. I like your train of thought. Yeah, I I think all signs point to the main characters mostly ending up where they ended up in the show. But I think the narrative path to get to those places is going to be a lot more rewarding. <laughs> to say the least. I mean, you could fucking do literally anything you just talked about and it'd be more rewarding. Right. And I, I just think it would be an excellent role for John. Like, we need somebody on the side of the others. We need to understand what's going on with them, why they're fighting. Um, so it would be really cool. To, you know, Benjen was lost beyond the wall. Maybe he's out there with them still. Bran is lost out beyond the wall. He's already drinking the Kool-Aid, almost literally, of the Children of the Forest. So there's a world where John joins forces with them as well. That would make sense because we have to have an organic avenue into finding out what the fuck is up with the others anyways. Right. And I, I think mm. one of those dragons has to turn on Danny at some point. So wouldn't it make sense that John doesn't actually fall in love with her and then steal her dragon and try to to fight her with her own dragon, but he's always diametrically opposed to her because his viewpoint is coming from somewhere where he understands something else and he understands her wielding her dragons in the way she's wielding them is going to destroy what the others need or what the world needs i don't like the idea of john and danny falling in love ever 
No, I fucking hated that. And it was so rushed in the show anyway, so it, it might as well have not existed. It felt painful and awkward. Yes. But, I mean, that's like Targaryen destiny is to have infighting like that. A, a new civil war every couple hundred years. Right. Did you have any other thoughts on John riding Rhaegel? Not really. I was sorely disappointed with it, honestly. Yeah. He, he didn't get to do a whole lot. Um, what about the Night King? With my man Viserion. Stupid. Yeah? Stupid AF. He, uh... I mean, it had to happen. Right. The bad guys totally needed understand a dragon it. to stand a chance. Like, there, there's no that, way Danny and John with three dragons are gonna lose to, to the Night King. So, they they needed a dragon. It, it just seemed way too simple. Yeah. You know? Let me so, throw this big fucking seemed... spear at him. Kobe! Oh, I'll totally get him. Yeah. Kobe! And then they just made him look so incredibly goofy when the Night King was taking down the wall on the back of an undead Viserion. Well, it's just like, ah! It's like, I don't know, Godzilla's nuclear blast. And the way he's bobbing up and right. down, it's just like, Jesus, dude. That is not a, not a nice well, ride. You, Hopefully you don't feel your nutsack. You've got this amazing set piece of the 700-foot wall that stood up to all potential intruders for thousands of years, finally coming down. And the guy making it happen looks like he's riding a hippity hop in front of a TV screen. Yeah, with this this exact smile you would yeah. have riding a hippity hop in front of a TV screen. I did. I liked the I, I liked undead Viserion outside of that scene. I thought all of the scenes in the actual battle that followed them taking down the wall were amazing. Thematically, yes. Well, even like. The so the the battle between Viserion and the other two dragons, I I thought looked incredible. Um, I still have the scene where the two of them they kind of crest over the clouds into the night sky and they're just floating there, ready to attack each other. I have that set as my phone background because it's such a beautiful scene, and it was so amazing to look at and to see. Um, but then the Night King just goes out like a bitch with no protection and really no purpose. <laughs> Well, I mean, fuck. I mean, Arya killed they, the shit out of him. Shout out to Arya. Yeah. I don't want to take Shout away from out. Arya, but, like, the Night King didn't do much to save himself. Fuck no, man. He should have just slaughtered Bran immediately. What was yeah, he where, doing? Where's this fucking spear that he threw at a dragon 800 feet away? Right, a fucking dragon, yo. That he could throw hard enough to sh go through its goddamn throat and break through its scales. It's cold enough. He could just... Why didn't he just freeze Bran to death? Yeah. A lot of things just you could throw do there. So oh, man, no. NK. Alright, so here's the final question that we're going to touch on. If you had to choose, would you be like to be able to ride a dragon or skin change into animals? One or many. Skin change into animals. I agree. That would be so fucking cool. To me, it's the same thing as like when we talked about the flying cars last week. Mm. There are too many things in the sky that can go wrong and just instantly kill you. Well, you immediately become a target because everyone else isn't in the fucking sky. Right. And jealousy's a bitch. Yeah, they got those big crossbows that they're shooting at you. They got ice spears. Yeah, they spears. have weapons of war to kill you. Specifically. Well, and you're just not in full control of yourself. You're still at the mercy of another sentient animal that, as we alluded to earlier, is probably smarter than a lot of actual people. Right. And it's got hardcore emotions yeah it does not fuck around when it's hungry i would take a ride if someone offered me one but i like i don't want that to be my magic thing 
No, no, definitely not. I'm on I'm on the skin changing. Uh, if you're good at it, like your Bran or Faramir six skins, uh, you can become lots of different animals, experience the world through different points of view. Uh, you can still fly if you skin change into like a raven or an eagle or potentially even a dragon someday. Uh, knock be... knock. <laughs> George R. R. Martin, <laughs> dragon. Yeah, if you're, you're listening because we know you are. But there's so much more you could do too. And it, it reminds me a little bit of the Sword in the Stone early on uh, when Arthur, King Arthur is a child, he's studying under Merlin and Merlin changes him into all these different animals to learn and understand how each of the different animals governmental structure works and so he learns lessons about how to be a true and just leader and I think that Bran is kind of on that same path and I think in putting these thoughts together I just kind of realized that Bran may actually be King Arthur um, or at least a heavy allusion to him uh, he's just like, we'll cripple him so yeah. no one will think he's King Arthur for real. Well, so let me pull on this thread for a minute because because I thought it and and I went down the rabbit hole in my own mind a little bit. There there are already a lot of allusions to Arthurian re- uh, legend throughout A Song of Ice and Fire. Any fantasy novel with knights and things like that, you're going to have Arthurian allusions. That's just what happens. Um, the most popular version of the Arthurian legend is... <laughs> five separate books compiled into a single collection called The Once and Future King, written by T.H. White. I don't know that there's a better way to explain Bran's journey to being king, because let's face it, he's probably going to be king, because that's where the show put him. Better than... I fucking hope not. Well, just let let me spin here for a minute. But there's nothing better to describe his journey than something like the phrase, The Once and Future King. Right? Because he has this this mental ability to travel through time and and learn from the past to to view what previous kings did and what they were good at and to become a good and just future king um bran like arthur is a child destined to become king I, again i 100 i think he's going to be the king at the end of all this um i i think narratively it's going to be a lot more compelling than the show did um I fucking hope so. But he's only going to be able to be a good king by learning his lessons through experiencing the ways of life through others, through his skin changing, and also his eventual, uh, for lack of a better term, I'm going to call it time traveling through the Weirwood net, but he's not really time traveling. He's just witnessing moments in time through what the trees witnessed. He's time experiencing. Right. And that, I mean, that's literally, as I explained in The Sword and the Stone, Arthur's whole thing is Merlin is taking him two different moments in time to, uh, to live as different species and to learn and grow through shared experiences. Uh, Arthur and Bran's father sacrificed themselves so that their pro- progeny could live on. Uh, Bran literally pulled a sword from one of the stone statues of the dead Starks in the Crypts of Winterfell. Fell. Again, go back to episode 99 about the Crypts of Winterfell for more on that. Uh, Arthur very famously pulled a sword out of a stone. No. Named a whole book no. after it. Uh, uh-uh. The, the leadership role is going to be thrust upon uh, Bran, even though he's not going to want it. Same as King Arthur. He never wanted to be king. He was perfectly happy being this Brad boy the in this town. Uh, they're taught, Dumbest shit ever. They're, they're taught under a magical wizard with bird friends. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that Merlin ever actually like lived as part of a tree, but you know, we'll... we'll oh, he probably that. fucking yeah, did. It's, it's Merlin. Uh, even the way Merlin experiences time could be a parallel with how Bloodraven and now Bran can move through time using the Werewood Net, uh, making these mentors appear to be all-seeing, all-knowing. 
and I would bet good money that there are a million more parallels between Bran and Arthur, and even Bloodraven and Merlin. Uh, it, it this this isn't really the episode to go too deep into it, and I tried looking up some more things, and I couldn't actually find too much that of anyone making that connection. Um, well, then you better get started. Well, buddy. I know I haven't read A Song of Ice and Fire or The Once in Future King in a while, so I can't recall everything off the top of my head, and. <laughs> The Once and Future King is absolutely bonkers. Uh, it's extremely hard to follow <laughs> along with because it's constantly shifting, shifting between viewpoints and characters, and all the names sound super similar to one another, and the narrative is messy just right out of the gate. Um, there, there are some just amazing parts that are are so great that it redeems itself every time it kind of goes off the rails. And was I just describing A Song of Ice and Fire there? I think you may Ooh, have been. Boom. Another parallel. Oh, snap. Yeah, I did try and Google around. I didn't find much. The, the only thing that I found that, that laid any credence to it is a lot of people claim it because George R. R. Martin had this uh, quote one time in an interview uh, that said, people think Bran is King Arthur or something like that. But the, the full quote is from an interview and I got this from a Tumblr account. Uh, Nobody suspects the butterfly. So shout out you. I'm sure you're listening. Uh, random Tumblr user. The interviewer asks, It's a shockingly brutal story that you tell. The first major jolt comes when knight Jamie Lannister pushes a child, Bran Stark, through a window because the child witnessed Jamie and Jamie's sister Cersei, the wife of Westeros King Robert, having sex. Great Cliff's Notes version of the first chapter there. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That First moment grabs you by the throat. So George responds. He said, I've had a million people tell me that that was the moment that hooked him where they said, well, this is just not the same story I've read a million times before. Bran is the first viewpoint character in the back of their heads. People are thinking Bran is the hero of the story. He's young King Arthur. So that's what people always grab onto is George literally said he's young King Arthur. But the context of the quote is much deeper than that. So he says, we're going to follow this young boy. And then, boom, you don't expect something like that to happen. So that was successful. And he laughs at himself because he's so tickled by his own stuff. Um, <laughs> I imagine he laughs like Michael Jackson. Oh, absolutely. And so the, the thesis of this quote is actually that maybe Bran is not so much like King Arthur in in that right away George R. R. Martin knocks the kid you're supposed to think is the hero out of a window. But he also could have compared him to any sci-fi fantasy hero from the past that, that came up as a child. He chose King Arthur specifically to make the comparison to because he, he wants readers to draw those parallels, I think. Um, Bran getting pushed off a tower just isn't one of the parallels that he wants you to draw. I think the readers are supposed to think of Bran as Wart of this story when they pick it up, and George R. R. Martin doesn't want to tell just another generic hero story because that story's been told a million times, so he mixes up what the expectations of our apparent King Arthur has to go through, and he kicks it off with a bang or a shove and a crippling and a crippling so I, I think there's probably a lot more there and if anybody else like if there's any Arthurian scholars listening like hit me up I, I'd love to, to pull on this thread further but I'm just I, like I don't have that mythology in my brain good enough to, to make all the comparisons that need to be made but I, I think there's definitely something there and that he is actively trying to parallel the two I'm sure he is. It's almost impossible not to when you're telling any hero story to parallel with King Arthur anyways, especially one that starts off as a child. Yeah. 
Do you have anything else on Bran as King Arthur or actually dragons, which is what we were talking about? I don't. Me neither. Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire always goes long. It's impossible to, yeah, to condense it. it. That's all right. I think. I, I mean, I think the people that want Song of Ice and Fire content, they want a lot of it. There's just so much well, depth there. You're getting a lot of it. Yeah, that's Here why you, you show go. up to a podcast about something. Uh, thank you for showing up to a podcast about something. You can follow us both on Twitter at APA something at alone underscore podcast. We will have a newsletter launching soon. Uh, hopefully we'll have like links and shit for all that by next episode. I, I have like all the templates built and, and ideas for it. I just It's just not fully fleshed out yet, but it's coming. Uh, the first newsletter will be sent out in February late february so once the link is live get signing up for it if you want extra stuff from us gonna be dope including giveaways (gasps) yeah i love giveaways uh you can all you will not qualify for them nick (laughs) um you can also check us out on tpublic.com uh you can now actually just search for a podcast about something or apa something and it'll bring up our whole storefront by searching that which is kind of cool um, I, I think that's all we've got. Uh, the music for a podcast about something is provided by those cats. You gotta stay sassy. Stay classic.